Welcome to the Innovation and in Government Show, sponsored by Kerasoft. Each month, we'll talk with industry experts who enable innovation and make government more responsive and secure by advancing key technologies. Now, here's your host, Jason Miller. Welcome to the show. My guest today is Dean Hullings, the Global Defense Solutions Strategist for Four Scout Technologies. Dean, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Let me set a little context for our discussion before we get started. Back in April 2019, the Homeland Security Department issued a binding operational directive, a BOD, to require agencies to patch critical vulnerabilities in 15 days. This cut the time period in half of the previous 2015 BOD requiring patches in 30 days. Now, patching of networks and systems has been a huge problem for agencies for much of the past 25 years. I can go all the way back to 2004, when the Government Accountability Office found agencies struggled with risk assessments and testing all patches before deployment. This is why something like the basic concept of comply to connect is such an easy concept to get behind. Now, if you're not familiar with comply to connect, we're gonna delve deeper into that in a minute or two, but let me just give you the top line. It requires new devices to meet security requirements before they're allowed to connect to a network. An automated process scans, analyzes, ensures the device is patched and up to date. The Marine Corps has led this effort and now DISA is planning to expand it in the coming year. In fact, the Marine Corps issued a policy last May explaining how C2C will work DISA issued a request for information in June seeking a platform that would give real-time visibility to all IP endpoint network infrastructure and Internet of Things devices. So a lot to talk about. So with that context in place, let's turn back to my guest, Dean Hollings. He is the Global Defense Solutions Strategist for Four Scout Technologies. Comply to Connect is one of those programs that is, there's so much potential there, Dean. There's so much excitement around it. What are some of the key aspects of the program? Help us understand it a little bit more. Yeah, Jason, you, you hit a couple of very key points there on, on those early directives. And so the, the Comply to Connect program was really developed to, to hit two key aspects. One is there were existing tools and those tools are still used today on DOD networks, but they didn't have all of the effectiveness that they needed. In other words, there were gaps in, in some of the security that those tools brought to the table. Uh, and then the second key point was making things more efficient for the operators, for the administrators of the networks. So finding a tool and finding a capability and bringing that into an enterprise approach is what Comply to Connect is designed to deliver. Now this is, uh, Comply to Connect is a concept. It's, it's a, obviously it's a policy from the Marine Corps. It's something that DOD is looking at more broadly, but it's, it's not a simple use this tool at this time. I mean, it's really, it's like what we when we talk about zero trust, it's really a framework. It's, a, it's, it's bigger than just a single tool, right? It is, um, and that's one of the reasons why uh, it took a while for the government to the DOD to finalize on their approach. Um, they didn't wanna throw away everything that they had already put in place, uh, like the HBSS or, or host-based security system uh, from the past or the Assured Compliance Assessment Solution, the ACAS program, uh, they wanted to build on those capabilities. They wanted to deliver automation to make those capabilities more robust and still let them and the investments that they put in them uh, still give benefits to the networks as a whole. So, so yes, this is a, a, a broad scope now uh, you, you mentioned the Marine Corps, and they were one of the, the big pathfinders of the Comply to Connect effort, as was the Navy uh, in their Next Generation Network program, in really establishing what should that framework look like, what tools work together uh, the best uh, to, to, to 
provide that automation and effectiveness that they were looking for with this program. So we know those two are the, as you mentioned, the pathfinders are, walk me through some, who is participating in, in, in Comply to Connect, who can participate, give me a sense. Yeah, so initially it was pretty much just the Marine Corps and the Navy. And then there were other pockets of, of um, early adopters, we'll call them, uh, across disparate organizations in the DOD. Uh, for instance, the Army's Medical Command uh, adopted it very early, as did uh, the Defense Information Systems Agency, or DISA, for their own operational network. They, were, they too, were early adopters. Um, and now what the DOD is doing under DISA's lead is they formed a program management office to bring all of those disparate efforts together into a, a standardized approach, um, one that will give them greater efficiencies and greater benefits for the, the, uh, the investments that they're making. And I imagine the Army is looking at this. I imagine the Air Force is looking at this in some way. I imagine some of the defense agencies, the Fourth Estate. Is this starting to, is there some sort of mandate or some sort of interest from the DOD CIO's office at large? Yes, there is. Um, there's been a, uh, a memorandum to describe the, the key aspects and the timeline for implementation of Comply to Connect. It, it's been in the works for some times, but as you can imagine with an enterprise approach, we're not just talking about a couple people that get to vote, right? There's lots of people that get to get to say what's good, what's bad, how does it fit their individual organizations. Um, so the Army and the Air Force are in fact uh, doing some of their own efforts to see how the Comply to Connect capabilities uh, will be applied, will be um, implemented across their environments. And so we, we see that coming out very soon. And then you mentioned the fourth estates as well. That's there's an awful lot of um, enterprise effort in to bring together the fourth estates into the DISA's network, and they're going to rename their network the DOD net. And therefore, that's, that one's a little bit slower in, in adoption just because it's part, the Comply to Connect program is, is only one part of a greater initiative. Now, the memo, you always, whenever I hear the word memo, it gets me a little bit excited. Is, is there a memo out or a memo being worked on? Because that, to us, that's, that becomes big news, right? Someone releases a memo, we go, uh-oh, we get excited. Sure, and, and that memo uh, in early stages had an awful lot of guidance, an awful lot of uh, directives even with specific milestones. Uh, certainly, we haven't seen that memo um, come out yet, um, but it is anticipated. And, and some, of the, some of the early adopters and, and other customers that really want to get into the, the Comply to Connect program are waiting for that memo with bated breath because they want to get started because they understand that their networks are at risk and they understand that Comply to Connect can deliver them capabilities that will help them secure it not only today, but looking to their future as well. It's actually a great segue for why the time is now for Comply to Connect. It seems like uh, as, as I went through the opening, patch management has been so difficult for agencies, ensuring the, the IoT devices that are grow, it's growing in, in large numbers are, are meeting certain security you know, baselines. It, it just seems like the time is right and, and the, the need is, is immediate. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, the proliferation of devices that are connected in, in society today is 
also driving that same connectivity and the same reliance on these devices across DoD operations. So as you get more complex, so does the need for having greater security and greater tools that, that work together to provide a wider solution. And then let's not forget that our adversaries have a vote too, right? So the sophistication of what they're doing with their cyber attacks at the same time as the complexity of all these devices being connected is really what brings about a, a, a new capability, a new program and a new framework that Comply to Connect is gonna be delivering really mandates that so, um, so we can make sure the most critical missions and the cyber connectivity that they depend on depend upon are secure. It's interesting you bring up that it's, it's, it's as much as the adversaries as anything else that's kind of driving this. And I think what DOD has seen over the last, if you will, you know, 15, 20 years is, is a, a change in threats. We've seen it gone from just being annoying, you know, like denial of service attacks to really disruptive attacks to stealing IP. And I think that's part of why something like Comply to Connect is, so, is becoming so much more important. You know, is the laptop, is the device or, or the PC or whatever you're using to connect back to the network has been secured? And if, if there's a problem, you know, DOD's got to do everything they can to keep it off the network. Is that what's been driving this concept? Yes, and you mentioned the, the laptops or the desktops, and, and absolutely it's a, it's a clear problem that's been documented and, and reported upon on you know, breaches that have been caused by um, malicious activities or, or just plain mistakes um, of users or administrators that are not keeping the basic cyber hygiene and some of those, those very basic cybersecurity requirements up to date, up to speed. Um, and so what that does is that may not be the target, right? So what those kinds of breaches provide is for an adversary to get into a network. And now once you're in a network, an adversary can, can do lateral movement and, and get to what they're really out after. You, you mentioned intellectual property, that's you know IP and stealing data Stealing information is something that, that um, gets reported upon often. Our personal data gets reported on that it's been stolen or breached on networks. Um, but in a military standpoint as well, um, what's that adversary doing? Are they leaving malicious code behind that could create a, an, an unknown effect onto a network? So while in industry or, or in our personal lives, it might mean we lose something if, if, our, if our information is breached. Uh, and there's business aspects to that as well with, with industry partners and they might lose financial data and all those kinds of things. They're all very bad, but in a, in a military standpoint, you know, a cybersecurity breach also has implications to the mission and dare I say implementation uh, implications to uh, our service men and women's lives could be at stake. Yeah, I think people forget that, you know, the lateral movement is, is probably the biggest challenge that, that we see. Once they get on the network, what do they do once they're there? Is in the Comply to Connect, walk me through why Comply to Connect is, is stopping or at least trying to, to, if you will, make it harder for the adversaries to get at that foothold. Yeah, that's a great question and one that is, uh, is often overlooked, but I, if you look at a lot of the recent breaches, um, as we were talking, 
they hit an IoT device or, or some kind of non-traditional device that is now connected to networks, uh, really that connection was made for uh, efficiency of those operations. So a security camera, say, that is now IP connected and bringing back the video that they're staring at all day, every day, uh, back to a server somewhere. So a, a, an ops center, a security ops center can analyze that and watch that from afar. Um, but all it takes is getting into the network and then that lateral movement that you're talking about. So you have to have an understanding of everything that's connected to the network and you have to be able to continuously monitor all of those devices that are connected to the network in order to stop those kinds of uh, breaches from happening. And so certainly that's what Comply to Connect has, has, has um, attempted to achieve um, in delivering their capabilities and then integrating all of those tools together so they work together to stop that lateral movement to, to make sure that a device that is supposed to be a security camera or, or a printer um, is in fact acting like and only operating like a security camera or a printer instead of now reaching out to other databases or other services on the network that they shouldn't have any, any need to uh, access. And that's an indicator that something has gone wrong and needs to be controlled, needs to be contained, needs to be stopped. We're going to talk a little bit about some of those other systems and how Comply to Connect brings them all together and integrates them after the break. But Dean, let's take a quick break. You're listening to the discussion, Innovation in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Network. In today's enterprise of things, operations in all verticals rely on the cybersecurity of their networks to ensure they have the connectivity they need to get the job done. To secure these networks, they need complete visibility and security posture assessment of every endpoint that connects, from desktops and servers to building control systems, medical equipment, warehouse tools, and mobile devices. Forescout, active defense for the enterprise of things. Learn more at forescout.com C2C. Welcome back. You're listening to the discussion Innovation in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Dean Hollings, the Global Defense Solutions Strategist for Four Scout Technologies. Now, Dean, before break, we were talking a little bit about Comply to Connect and, and why the time is right. And we talked a little bit about the IoT devices. Let's delve into that just a little bit more. We, we know cybersecurity around traditional desktops, servers, laptops. That seems to be something that agencies can start to get their arms around a little bit. But now with this emergence and, and really increase of use of non-traditional devices, IoT devices, sensors, cameras, and the like that are being connected to the defense network, that makes things even more difficult and, and, and gives us why, another reason why something like Comply to Connect is so important. Give us some of those examples and, and some of those reasons why we need Comply to Connect as the increase of, of IoT devices. Sure, thank you for that. And we right before the break, we were talking a little bit about security cameras. And, and, you know, that's just one example of things that are used in the Department of Defense every day uh, for, for the sustainment of the mission, right? So there's other non-traditional devices. You look at industrial control systems in our buildings um, that monitor water flow, that, that adjust the lighting, that talk to the, uh, the, the HVAC systems or the air conditioning and heating systems, the air quality, 
all of these devices, all of these different systems uh, have sensors and are more and more becoming connected through the IP uh, networks that we're, we're talking about securing. And so the traditional endpoint or the desktop, the laptop type security systems, most of them are based on what's called a, a, an agent. It's, a, it's just a small piece of software that is loaded onto the endpoint, is loaded onto the desktop, that then reports the status, the, the, the cybersecurity hygiene level of that device back to a, a server or, or some kind of host system. And when you're talking about these non-traditional devices, they can't take those kinds of endpoint security agents and therefore are ineffective in securing those non-traditional devices. Um, similarly, we talked earlier about the ACAS system, the vulnerability scanning system. And a lot of these non-traditional devices uh, have such uh, slimmed down operating systems. They're, the software that makes them work, that's embedded in these devices is very stripped down just to get their job done. And so if a scanner, like a vulnerability assessment scanner, like is in the ACAS program, if that were to interrogate one of these uh, endpoints, you'd overload that operating system and you'd actually crash the device. So you're trying to apply security so the endpoint continues to work but in doing so, you're actually making the endpoint stop working. So you're defeating your own purposes though. So you have to have more newer, modernized ways of looking at the solution um, that is provided to secure these devices, yet not impact how they're operating. And that's what Comply to Connect is delivering agent-less solutions that can use other methodologies of understanding what that device is and then uh, use policy-based uh, security to wrap a, 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 a barrier around that device that's different than wrapping the same kind of level of security around a, a desktop or one of these other traditional endpoints that we talked about as well. So that's, that's really the biggest reason that Comply to Connect was, was, was delivered to fill those gaps. Because I know DOD has been working on ACAS and host-based security system for quite a while, and to some extent, but what Comply to Connect will do is bring those data from those two systems or those two tools with other tools, and then gives you the, and I'll use it, and if you'll forgive me, Dean, the single pane of glass, right? Mm -hmm. The dashboard, whatever we're calling it these days. So a, a systems administrator, a cybersecurity professional within DOD can then see, okay, this IoT device is giving me trouble or potentially is, is a, a, a threat or vulnerability. So I need to either turn it off or fix it somehow. While this desktop is also potentially a vulnerability, I'm, I'm getting the full picture through this Comply to Connect effort. Yeah, that's absolutely correct, Jason. And, and so on your desktops, where you can put that agent on there, what Comply to Connect is going to do is interrogate that box and make sure that all of those tools that you want working are working properly. Are, are they loaded? Are they running? Are they configured properly? Uh, do they have the latest updates? Um, at the same time, it's looking at the ACAS has that vulnerability scanner, which is traditionally 
a time-based thing. It happens every seven days or three days or two weeks, whatever the administrators have set up. Has that happened and was this device uh, interrogated? Well, you mentioned laptops before. If somebody had taken their laptop home with them over a long weekend and that scan takes place on Sunday evenings, well, that, that laptop doesn't reach or doesn't get the scan that it needs to ensure that it hasn't been compromised in some way. So comply to connect before that device's ne device now connects to the network, it checks and makes sure that that vulnerability scan meets the compliance. So that's how the comply to connect platform is, is you know, some ways that it's gonna be providing value to traditional IT devices. But then on the non-traditional devices, as we've talked about before, you have to use different methodologies you have to watch the traffic. Is, is a device making calls out to the internet when it's not supposed to? Is it reaching across uh, your network into um, un unknown areas of your network like financial databases or personnel databases as compared to just talking to the server that it's supposed to talk to and using the, the, the protocols that it's supposed to use um, to get its individual mission accomplished? And if it's not, you know you have a problem. And so you can either isolate that device or uh, potentially just alert a security specialist or the network specialist so that they, that they can go out and, and look at that device and find out what's really causing that problem. Often it can be just a, a, a misconfiguration or something small, one of those mistakes or, or uh, a problem that got overlooked um, like we talked about earlier um, that just needs a, a simple correction, um, but certainly you don't want to leave it to chance. You want to understand it. You want to see it when it's happening, and then you want to make, make it in every way possible uh, an automated uh, action to get it remediated so it doesn't cause um, additional problems on your network. Sounds like this type of program is something that, that is more than just a directive. It, it's really something that all the services are seem to be getting behind. Is there funding already? Is this something that they, they got to figure out funding for? What are you seeing from uh, defense agencies, defense, the military services about how to pay for something to comply to connect? Yeah, that's, that's the big change in, in this, in the, this past fiscal year that of course just ended uh, our last week or earlier this week. Um, in fiscal year 2020, uh, Congress actually uh, appropriated funds so that an enterprise-wide Comply to Connect program could move forward. Uh, so they, the, the Defense Information Agency created a program management office so they could manage that enterprise delivery. So now they've purchased um, the licenses, the software that's behind uh, the foundational capability so they can now make it available to uh, the other users that, as we mentioned before, uh, Air Force users, Army users, and quite frankly, some areas of the Navy and the Marine Corps as well, and all of those fourth estate organizations that have not yet come on board with Comply to Connect, they've made these licenses available to them. So it's, I don't want to say it's free, right, because nothing's free, but it's not something that's going to come out of the services um, pockets for the licenses um, to make it move forward. Um, so that's what changed in 2020 to make it an enterprise approach uh, beyond just the Pathfinder approaches that were coming out of 
individual organizations' pockets. Is Complata Connect as simple as taking the software licenses and, and, and installing them and going, or, or is there, there's more to it than just that? Yeah, there certainly is. Um, I, I, wish, I wish there was a magic button where you could just, you know, install some software and hit return and everything would be, would be perfect. Um, but certainly there's not, and that's, that's part of what the program office is going to be doing is, is developing those enterprise-wide policies, testing them, making sure that they don't impact other organizations, other networks, other sub-networks, and then working with the uh, Defense Department services agencies uh, to ensure that their rollout is, is seamless. So that program office is, is going to have multiple layers of expertise uh, to help them through that, whether it's architecture discussions or policy employment discussions. But what they're also doing is they're, they're, they're providing the training for the administrators out in the field. So, I mean, I was a squadron commander and the last thing I wanted to hear was a, a, a mandate to install and implement something new and then put it on my back to go figure out how to get my people trained because Obviously, we all depend on all commanders depend on their people, and if their people aren't trained, they can't they can't deliver the mission that is necessary. So the program office is taking that into account, and they're 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 actually fielding um, uh, hundreds of classes to chain to train thousands of administrators within the first year, so that this mandate that comes out under the memo and the licenses that are being provided uh, free of charge to the organizations from DISA can come together with people that are trained on how to uh, operate the capability once it's delivered into their, their uh, environments. You cannot underestimate the importance of training. I, I don't know how many vendors I talk to that you know, put in a piece of software and the agency doesn't either pay for training or they don't ask for training or they never get enough training or never keeps up with the training. And then they realize that the, the tool there's only 10% usage or 20% usage. I'm sure you hear guys hear about that too a lot. Yeah, we absolutely do. And in fact, that's uh, one of the challenges that um, really make the, the DOD's environment complex is uh, often they've, they've purchased equi uh, equipment or systems or software uh, that, as you say, only gets 10%, 15% utilized. And there's so much more that it can offer. So, um, the, the DISA folks that have put together the program office really wanted to take that into account and make sure that that's not uh, a capability left on the table, if you will, which of course in today's environment with COVID-19 and travel restrictions and all those uh, different effects of uh, the, 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 the problems we have today with that disease um, have, have really restricted things. Um, and that's why the, the, the training for now, at least, that is being offered is going to be virtual training, still, still instructor-led, classroom-based, um, but is going to be given in a virtual environment so that they get all of the benefits of uh, the, the Comply to Connect capabilities that are going to be delivered in the training thereof. All right, good. Dean, unfortunately, we're out of time. That was, this has been a great conversation. So let me thank my guest, Dean Hullings, the Global Defense Solutions Strategist for Four Scout Technologies. Dean, thank you so much for taking the time today. Jason, thanks for having me here. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to the discussion Innovation in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Network. 
For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search innovation. Thank you for listening to the Innovation and in Government Show, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Network. The entire discussion can be found on demand at federalnewsnetwork.com, keyword innovation.